0: Amen. Thank you to the praise team. It's an exciting time of the year. Um, you know, I've always, always wanted to be part of a church where you're, you're seeing miracles happen. And uh, I think that's, that's what we're seeing. I, I remember when I talked to Paul and Amy before they left, um, t- uh, the, the people that uh, are giving them the business, we actually stayed with them at one time. Uh, he's an ex-Marine, a uh, really nice guy. He and his wife and their little girl. And when I heard that, they're basically decided to give their business to the Millers out of the blue. I, I, it was just stunning to me the way the Lord is just clearly at work in, in guiding his people. And again and again, we see just things like that. Uh, this year, it's uh, only two and a half uh, months into the year, and these are the, the cold long months of the year and yet we've seen God working again and again. We have uh, some baptisms coming up and some new members to introduce. We paid off our entire mortgage of $218,000 plus dollars. Uh, we've now been able to hire a full-time church business administrator. We're working on our bylaws and having we've had two of our three meetings and just watching uh, God work on, uh, on that. Um, we've uh, offered this Financial Peace University class uh, by the Perons that has been outstanding. By the way, I just could not recommend it uh, more highly uh, than, than, I, than anything. I mean, it's just something that everybody really in any stage uh, financially could take and really benefit from. And it's just amazing to watch God at work. I just love to be part of seeing what God is doing. And I think he's really mightily at work here in our church. I'm excited to see what the future holds for us as a congregation. All right, we're going to jump in. We're actually at the end of our series on Malachi. Uh, so we've been doing this short series called Getting Life Right, four, four uh, sermons in Malachi. Uh, we've looked at Uh, Getting worship right, that was the first one Starts with worship, because I think really when you put that in order Everything else tends to fall into place Getting ministry right, the way we serve one another As priests, first before God And then that overflows in the way we treat one another Last week, getting holiness right Living lives that are set apart for God And this week, getting hope Getting hope right What is to come, this is the way I define hope it is a, a picture in your mind of what is to come that affects the way you live now. So it's, it's what you're expecting about the future that affects the way you are actually going about your life now. If you just have a, a picture of the future that doesn't affect anything in your life now, then it's not really hope. Hope should shape the way you live in this life. You know, they say that people are motivated by one of two different things. And sometimes it's called the stick and the carrot. Have you ever heard that before? Uh, So they're motivated either by the stick Which is for discipline Or they're motivated by the carrot i got a carrot up here I'm not sure if this looks very motivating I have to say Uh, But I guess it's more of an illustration for horses, right? I think that's where it comes from There's the stick and the carrot Uh, the, the, The stick is the motivation of punishment If you don't do what's right And the carrot is the motivation for reward For those who do pursue what is right Well, the Bible is filled with both of those And I think we'll see that right here in our passage in Malachi. There is the stick. There are some, as we'll read it, there are some harsh warnings for those who continue in unrepentance and turning away from the Lord. And it's not because God is harsh. It's because He wants us to know what we're dealing with. He wants us to have a right, clear picture of what's at stake when it comes to eternity. It's kind of like those commercials. You ever see those commercials for you know, medicine? And they just go in through this list of all the possible side effects, right? May cause suicidal thoughts. May cause death. I mean, just horrible side effects. And the reason for that is because they have to let people know what's at stake in taking at medicine. Here, God wants us to know what's at stake for disobedience and ultimately disbelief or unbelief and unrepentance. But friends, the promises are stunning. The carrot is glorious. The promise is that we get eternal life with Jesus forever and ever, with no sin and no suffering and no sickness and no effect of Satan, forever and ever. He lays out before us the stick and the carrot, the warnings, but also the promises trust in the Lord and enjoy the blessings of eternity look with me at Malachi chapter 3 verse 16 going to the end of chapter 4 and we'll have it on the screen there as well he writes then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another the Lord paid attention and heard them and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. And I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. For behold, the day is coming. Lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. I'm calling here to trust in the Lord and enjoy the blessings of eternity. So, as a breakdown in your bulletin, as always, uh, first we're going to look at three sixteen to eighteen. Consider your faith side by side with others. Consider your faith side by side with others. Four one to three. Hope in the blessings of eternal life with God. And then uh, chapter four, verses four to six. Remember the gospel of Jesus. As our hope. Remember the gospel of Jesus as our hope. So first, consider your faith side by side. Look at verse 16. A miracle happens. So Malachi is right. The prophet is writing this in, in hindsight. This is what he's, he already had prophesied. Uh, and he's sort of writing it down for future generations. But something happens at the end of 315. To what, where our passage begins in 316. It says, those who fear the Lord spoke with one another. So what happens is they're beginning now to to actually consider what Malachi had just prophesied. All that stuff he said about worship and how bad they were doing when it comes to worship, all the stuff he said about holiness and how they were failing, how they were failing in ministry, they consider it and they begin to have a discussion with one another. They listened to him. They didn't just hear him, right? You ever have your spouse say that to you? You hear me, but you ain't listening, right? That's what's going on. No, they're more than just hearing what Malachi said, they're listening. They're considering it. They're talking it over. They're allowing its conviction in their life. And, leading, and it leads them to repentance. And it says the Lord sees this. And when he sees this, what does he do? He writes their name in the book of remembrance. Uh, which I think brings to mind for me, at least, in the book of Revelation, what do you have? You have the book of life. And it says those whose names are written in the book of life are those who will spend eternity with the Lord. I think that's the same idea here. He's writing down those who fear the Lord, those who have repented, those who really do serve Him and follow Him, those who have faith in His grace. And he says He will remember them. He will keep them. And he describes them here as His treasured possession. Verse 17. I love that. God treasures those who belong to Him. They're not just chattel. They're not just something that He doesn't care much for. They are His treasure. It's kind of like when you move. Like when you have to move from one location to another, let's say you're moving to Nepal or something, or moving from one location uh, in, in uh, Haverhill or Newton or something like that to another, what do you have to do? You have to kind of decide, what, what do I actually treasure? What's important to me and what's not? Some of the stuff you've got to say, look, I, you know, I, I can't take this to the other side of the world. Just going to have to stay here. But there's a few certain things you say, no, 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 this is coming with me wherever I go. This is my treasured possession. That's how God sees us. He looks at us and says, I see those who fear my name and follow me as my treasured possession." More than that, he says, I see them as a son or a daughter. One who serves me. Yes, the judgment is necessary upon the world. But those who follow me are my sons and daughters and I will spare them. Because they belong to me. And he says in verse 18, in the end, Everyone will see the distinction between those who follow the Lord and those who don't. Right now, it's, it's hard to see, right? You, you can't necessarily know for sure. The Bible says, by your fruit, you'll know them. So that's true. But at the same time, somebody might on the outside be sort of a, 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 a curmudgeon. <laughs> but inside truly does love the Lord. And somebody else might be this bubbly personality, but it's, inside is just filled with disbelief and with Bitterness or whatever it may be Doesn't actually know and love the Lord But in the end he says Everyone will see the distinction It'll be clear Those who follow me And those who don't Consider your faith friends But notice side by side with others Faith and repentance come When they speak with one another I think that's important Uh, Faith it has been said is personal But not private It's always personal but never private Yes, it has to be personal. It has to be your own faith. It can't be, well, my mom or my grandmother went to church every day for her whole life. And so, therefore, I sort of get an in into the, to heaven. It doesn't work that way. You can't sort of hang on the, on the coattails of a parent or your spouse. Oh, my, my wife is the most godly woman you'll ever meet. And so I'm all set. I'm going to get into the kingdom because, because of her or vice versa because of him. Or your church? I go to a Bible-believing, solid, gospel-centered church, so I'm all set. No, it's personal. Do you yourself believe in Christ? Do you yourself follow the Lord Jesus? But it's not private. It's something we do with other people, with each other. Now, faith is often discovered in a church... <laughs> That's where you hear the gospel. That's where you come to understand. Or maybe it's in a small group, a, a community group. That's where you're, you're learning. You're opening up the Bible, talking about it with others. That's where your faith is often discovered, is with other people. Your faith is strengthened with other people. That's how you grow deeper, is, is by constant relationship with other Christians. You know, if somebody's a new Christian... One of the first things I would say is go find a church. That's one of the most important things you can do at this point in time. Find a congregation of people who love the Lord and can disciple you and help you as you grow. And faith is protected in numbers. If you want to persevere, you want to make it to the end, it's necessary to be part of a Christian community. Last night we had a big, huge uh, campfire at a friend's house. And it was huge because it was cold out, and we we're trying to you know, huddle around it to stay warm. But what happens in a, a campfire if a log falls out? It'll, it'll burn for, what, a minute, two minutes? slowly burns out. How do you get it going again? Put it back with the others, right? Our faith is the same way, friends. We get separated from others. Our faith can last a little while, but over time it starts to burn out. How do you get it reignited again? Put it back with the others. Put it back where there is fire. It'll burn all the more. Friends, our faith grows in gathered worship. I just want to encourage you. (laughs) Obviously, you're here, so that's uh, in a sense preaching to the choir. But come together to worship with God's people. Uh, They say, you know, a big thing nowadays is, you know, church attendances in different churches across the country is going down. And they say a big reason for that, actually, is not people leaving the church. It's people not coming to church every week. It's, It's lack of regular attendance. So when you think about it, let's say you have a church of 300 people who used to come every week, and now the average person only comes twice a month, or half the time. Your church of 300 just became a church of 150, right? That's what happened, essentially. Regular attendance to church is something that isn't as expected anymore. But friends, I would just encourage you, don't forsake, as it says in Hebrews, don't forsake the gathering together of yourselves. Be with God's people. Be encouraged as we gather with one another to speak with one another. Community groups, as we say, that's the next step of discipleship after membership. Get involved in a smaller group. It can be a prayer group. It can be a, a, a ladies' group or a men's group or whatever it is, but get involved in a smaller group where you're encouraging one another. Be with Christian friends. Of course you want to have non-Christian friends. Of course you want to be salt and light and you want to reach people who don't know Jesus. That doesn't mean you don't also, at the same time, have Christian friends who are helping you grow and stay faithful. And I would just also mention Uh, remember the dead. Remember those Christians who have gone before us as you read books that encourage your faith as well. Uh, Famous theologian G.K. Chesterton said, he called it the democracy of the dead. (laughs) We learn from the faith of those who have gone before us and have finished the race well. It's kind of a one-sided conversation, but still, it's worth that listening conversation to those who have gone before us. Consider your faith. Friends, consider your faith. We have read and talked through Malachi together. Now let's do what these Israelites did. Consider it. Consider it. Consider your eternity. And if you're a Christian, help others consider their eternity. That's one thing. If you're talking to someone who doesn't know the Lord, it's a great subject to get to, to the gospel quickly. Talk about eternity. What happens after the door of death? nothing or something or where are you going to end up consider carefully your eternity let it sink in like it did to these Israelites friends let it go from the Bible to your brain (laughs) let it go from the head to the heart and I've heard it said before that's the the farthest 18 inches that faith has to to travel (laughs) from your brain from your head to your heart depending on how tall you are I guess right so if you're If you're really tall then it's more than 18 inches But you get the idea Let it go from Sunday To Monday Into your week Reminds me of James The book of James chapter 1 Be doers of the word And not hearers only Deceiving yourselves For anyone is a hearer Hearer of the word and not a doer He is like a man who looks intently at his face in a mirror Sees all of his blemishes And problems and whatever But when he looks, when he goes away, at once he forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And let's be those who hear the word and those who do the word. In church, I think of our gathering together here on Sundays, it's it's, it's like a a pumping station. You know, you, you get filled up. Recharge spiritually. It's a faith factory, but then what? Then you go into the world. You go into your lives and continue to walk with the Lord. Consider carefully your faith. Verses uh, chapter four, verses one to three. Hope in the blessings of eternal life with God. The blessings of eternal life with God. Uh, the, God, the Lord goes into exactly what is coming. He describes the judgment on those who are unrepentant. He describes them as those who will be burned fully burn so he just talks about from the branches to the roots and the idea is of course if you cut down a tree and you burn the tree but you leave the roots what happens it can grow again so he's saying this is a final and complete judgment there is no sort of after this you get another chance that's not the idea this is it this is the final judgment this idea of burning is a very common one to describe judgment throughout the bible in the old testament by jesus himself in the new testament and certainly at the book of revelation it's a common image To describe what that final judgment Will look like But then he describes the blessings of those who do have faith He says they will be healed By the sun Leaping like calves I love that, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute But they tread down the wicked when God acts That's a kind of a Somewhat grotesque image perhaps But uh, you know we don't have a perhaps an immediate sense of the importance of justice as much as many around the world. Many around the world would say this is what they long for, that the world has been so upside down for so long. The unjust rule over us, the unjust constantly oppress us. They're the ones who trample on us. And it's as if God is saying in the end it'll be reversed. Those who have followed me will trample on injustice. But the image here is one of calves running in the sun, healthy, joyful, Free, strong. Actually, I actually have a little video of, of a calf running in the sun here. Just a 15, some, calf, some little baby calves running in the sun. So. That's the image there. I did it for my friend Kevin. He'll love that one. But the idea is the joy of being freed from the, the stall and being alive. He's describing the carrot, friends. He's describing the rewards, the blessings of eternal life that await us. He describes them as the son of righteousness. I think that's a reference to God. The, uh, that God is the son who brings about, shines uh, forth his goodness, his love, his grace, his mercy upon us. Plato, the, the, uh, not the uh, toy, the uh, philosopher, the other guy. Uh, he lived before Christ way before, but he... He had this image to describe our lives as those who are chained in a cave to a wall. And we, we, all we can see is the shadows on the, ca- on the uh, wall of the cave. Uh, we can't actually see, that's all we are. We're, we can't see the reality, only the shadows that sort are of bouncing around the side of the cave. But he could only dream, Plato could only dream of what it would be like to step out of the cave and look at the sun, the source of all reality and all goodness. He describes God as the son of righteousness that we bask in his presence. Healing in its wings, uh, there's different interpretations as to what that's about. I think the wings here refers to the rays of light, of the sun. But the point is it brings healing from all sickness and suffering, from sin, from Satan. This nude, renewed life from all grief and pain, from losing a loved one in her sleep. Suddenly, this healing in his wings when he wipes away every tear. And this idea of the calves, of course, leaping for joy. What is that? Being overwhelmed with joy. That's what heaven, that's what eternity looks like. There's so many different words for joy. Pleasure, happiness, delight. Ecstasy, that's what he's saying, awaits. It's like those calves running in the green grass filled with joy. Friends, be hopeful. Be hopeful of the blessings of eternal life. That's the point here. For those who have faith in Jesus, be hopeful of what is to come. You know, there's no there's no need for pessimism. <laughs> there's no need for cynicism. There's no need for despair. You know, the Christian life is one filled with hope. Filled with hope. There's no need to be an Eeyore. Anyone know what an Eeyore is? Come on, Winnie the Pooh, right? I suppose it'll rain today, you know. It's, you know, it's a good tale, but other animals have better tails than me. And Everything is a negative, right? That's Eeyore. Or if you're a C.S. Lewis fan, no, no room for a puddle glow. You know? Good morning. Well, it starts off good, but maybe it won't be so good later on. Who knows what's going to happen today? Everything is negative. No, friends. There's always a hope for what awaits us as Christians. And as I said, that image of what's to come for us should shape how we live now. It should change the way we go about life. There's a, an athlete, a Christian athlete, who was uh, played, uh, I think it was in the World Series when he was, pretty, uh, he was injured. And somebody said, How'd you do it? And he just said, Sometimes you have to play through the pain. It's true of this life. Sometimes you have to play through the pain, but you do so with the hope at the end of what's to come. You know, I've been uh, running a lot. Actually, I mean, I'm in the best shape of my life uh, right now, I think, pretty much, well, maybe I don't know when I was a kid, maybe I was a teenager. I'm on the last belt, I'm the last notch of my belt, by the way, too, so. But I've been running a lot. And so I decided to do something a little crazy. Uh, I decided to run uh, a half marathon, uh, just on my own, not with a, not an actual race, which is 13.2 miles, which is about more than double, almost triple, what I've ever really run in the past. Right? Five miles is most I've ever done. But it was at night time, it was after a budget meeting, and my budget people thought I was crazy, and they're probably right about that. Uh, but I decided to run home, uh, run, I mean, run 13.2 miles, and uh, it was at, a little after nine o'clock at night, here in March, I made it over 10 miles straight, uh, without stopping, and then I made the huge mistake of stopping, because stopping is not a good idea, right? Because once I stopped, my legs started cramping up, And I'm soaking wet, and it's getting close to midnight now, and it's cold, very cold outside. And I still have miles to go. So as I'm trying to get to the end, I'm freezing cold, wet, and my legs are totally cramping up at that point in time. And all that kept me going was the image of getting home in a nice hot bath (laughs) (laughs) with an ice-cold drink. That is what got me forward. That constant image of what is to come, if I just stick this out a little longer, carry me forward to the end. Friends, let that hope carry you on. Play through the pain sometimes, but look to what is to come. The sun of righteousness will shine. We will bask in his presence with healing in his wings and leap like calves freed from the stall. Keep going, friends. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what you're struggling with or what's going on. Maybe things are going really well for you, but keep going. Looking towards the end. Keep trusting Jesus. (laughs) Don't stop. Keep loving people. Even when people hurt you, even when people say bad things to you and do things that hurt you, just keep loving people. Keep praying. Don't stop praying. Don't lose hope praying. Keep learning the Bible. Keep being paused. Keep being focused on the Lord. Keep worshiping Him. Keep talking to people about Jesus, friends. Keep that hope in front of you and don't stop until you're in the presence of the Son of Righteousness, leaping like a calf in the stall, freed from the stall. Be hopeful, friends, of the blessings of eternal life. And then verses 4 to 6, remember the gospel of Jesus as our hope. Remember the gospel. For Malachi, he turns their attention to the law and the promises. So first, he points them backwards, even from his perspective. He's before Christ. He points them backwards. He says, remember the law of Moses. Remember the statutes and the rules. Go back to the Torah and go back, looking back to what God has revealed, and follow the law of the Lord. Follow that. Horeb is another word for Sinai. Uh, Follow the law that was given to Moses for Israel. But then he also points to the future, to the promises. And says, look forward to the coming of Elijah the prophet before this great and this awesome day. And what's this Elijah thing all about? If you know your New Testaments, Elijah, Jesus says, fulfilled filled with the coming of John the Baptist. This is Matthew 11. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus is saying the fulfillment of this prophecy. John came like Elijah. He actually even dressed like Elijah, wearing camel's uh, camel's hair and a leather belt and so forth. His prophecy was kind of like Elijah, a prophet of uh, calling Israel to repentance. He fulfills this promise that's to come. But notice that that he's pointing them backwards to follow the law. He's pointing them forwards to the promise. And says, when you do so, this ministry of Elijah will be to turn the hearts of parents to their kids and kids to their parents. I think that that's referring to the, not just John, but to the ministry of Jesus as a whole. The ministry of the gospel as a whole. And then he ends with a final warning. But I say, as we look to ourselves here in the Christian life, our hope is even more sure than this. See, we don't just look back to the law of Moses, although we do to that. We turn to the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. We turn back to the gospel. We turn back to the cross and look back at what God has accomplished for us and forgiving our sins. It is finished. Our salvation is done. And we look forward not to the coming of Elijah because he's already come in a sense and John the Baptist. We look forward to the return of Christ when he writes all wrongs. We live, in a sense, in the next chapter. The next chapter of salvation history. He lived before Christ. We live after. We live in a different time. Israel uh, was saved by their trust. People ask all the time, if Jesus is how we're saved, then how were Israelites saved? Because they came before Jesus. And the answer is, they were saved by Jesus. They were saved by what is to come. Uh, they were saved by their trust in God that He would provide through sacrifice and through the promise of the coming Messiah. And when Christ came, he offered salvation to those not only going forward, but to those who had trusted in God's grace in the past as well. My friends, look at this. This is the ministry of the gospel. It gives us an eternal perspective. Friends, we trust in the gospel and it turns our hearts to our kids. I love what he says here. I think this, this idea of, of children turning to their parents, parents turning to their kids, what's that all about? I think it has a, certainly has an application to families. Uh, I think that as, as Christians, those who trust in Jesus, who receive the gospel, it does affect the family. Uh, that we do look, the parents look to their kids, and kids look to their parents and minister and love one another. And hopefully in our church, that's what happens is families get strengthened. You know, marriages get strengthened, as we talked about a couple of Sundays ago. Families, parenting gets strengthened. I mean, you want to see that happen in churches. That's one of the effects of the ministry of Jesus. But I do think there's another application that he has in mind here too and that is to turn to our fathers means to care about the wisdom of previous generations. As he's saying, looking back to the law of Moses. It's one of the reasons why we preach on and study the Old Testament, by the way. We believe that the whole of the Bible is inspired of God so we look to the whole of Scripture. We want to learn from previous generations, listen to the Word. But also, friends, I hope that our hearts are turned to our children as well. We think about the next generation. This is so important for churches. You know what dying churches say? I don't care about the next generation, I care about my generation. (laughs) I want my ministries and my programs and my type of music. I don't care about the next generation, I care about me and my generation. That's a church that is on its way out. Vibrant churches are churches that have big kids ministries. (laughs) because they know they wanna see the next generation carry the gospel forward. Let's be those who, yes, look to our, as children look to our fathers, but also as fathers look to our children. Trust in the Lord and enjoy the blessings of eternity. Consider your faith side by side with others. Put your hope in the blessings of eternal life with God. Remember the gospel. That's hope matters. Hope changes how we live life now. We study about the future, and what's to come. It's not just an intellectual exercise. That's not the point. It shapes the way we go about this life and gives us confidence as we come to the door of death. I think, I think you might agree with me, the world needs a good dose of hope right now. Doesn't it? It needs people who live with hope. Well, here's the good news. In Scripture, we get a big carrot. (laughs) A really big carrot. Eternal life with the Lord Jesus. Would you pray with me? A gracious Father, thank you so much for your mercy and kindness to us. Thank you for the gospel of grace that what saves us is faith in the Lord Jesus which is how we get grace. And so, Lord, I do pray for anyone here who maybe doesn't know the Lord Jesus yet. So grateful that they're here. Pray that they would consider their faith, consider eternity, consider what's at stake, consider the stick, yes, the harsh prophecy of what is to come for those who reject the Lord and face judgment without a Savior but even better, Lord, the promise of what is to come. And I pray for all of your people here, Lord, who do know and love the Lord Jesus. Give us strength to at times play through the pain, continue to walk with you, and look forward to that day when we will be basking in the sun of righteousness with healing in its wings and leaping with joy like calves from the stall. Be with us, Lord, to trust in you and look forward to the blessings of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen.